0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is the Essential Cruise Tips Show, making it fun and easy to discover, plan and enjoy unforgettable cruise vacations with tips and advice from me, Gary Bembridge, host of the largest cruise vlogger channel on YouTube. Let's get going with today's episode. My first cruise was on PO Cruises in 2004, and I loyally stuck with them for many cruises after that. Then I tried a different cruise line, Cunard, only because I wanted to do their famous transatlantic. And everything changed. That learning experience set in motion the projection of my cruising journey from there on, as I will explain and you will discover. Welcome aboard. I'm Gary Bembridge and I make it fun and easy to discover, plan and enjoy incredible cruise vacations. And this is the first of a series I've made to mark taking my 100th cruise. My Cunard experience was so different and better than my Pinot ones had been. And I wondered if by not constantly trying different cruise lines, I would miss out on so much. This is what I discovered. I have come to think of cruise lines like I do my friends. While I have a best friend and a close group of friends that I hang out with a lot, I actually have other friends I turn to for different occasions. Some are better to party with, others to go to the theatre, bike, riding, hiking or just hanging out with. And that's how I now see and learn to look at cruise lines. I have some that are like close friends and I spend more time with Cunard because I love the Britishness, the formality, dressing up and the enrichment programme. Oceania with its smaller ships and incredible food, Holland America with its global destination immersion, classic ships and the fantastic music walk, Silversea for their incredible expedition teams and stylish ships, and waterways for river cruises with smart ships, good food and local immersion excursions. However, I still go on many other lines, just over 30 lines on 70 different ships so far, and that's because I found the choosing The right cruise line is so important trip by trip. For example, I lean towards Holland America and Princess when I'm going to Alaska because they are the two longest and most established lines there. As Amara, Oceania, and Windstar when I'm going to a region that I've been to before because their smaller ships take me to more out of the way places that I've not been to, that the bigger ships that I've gone with. Can't. Royal Caribbean, Norwegian Cruise Line, and MSC Cruises when I'm doing, say, a multi generational trip with Mark, my partner, and his mum, sister, and her late teenage daughters. So there's something for everybody to be able to do. Personally, I love going on small ships, but if I'm going cruising with Mark, we go on bigger ships because he wants big shows and a busy casino with lots of people playing. I learned that having one favorite or only line. Is not the way to get the most from cruising. Some people push back when I talk about this because they argue that sticking with a cruise line to build up loyalty and benefits is better. Now, I'm not as convinced because the added credits, discounts, Wi Fi, or dining don't beat the experiences that I get from changing and working cleverly to book deals that can more than compensate for those perks through loyalty. By the way, I have only been on one cruise of all the hundred that I've hated. That is the one that taught me the second big learning. On that first P&O Aurora cruise I mentioned earlier, I didn't choose my cabin, it was a guaranteed one. I was allocated a great cabin, so I kept doing that with good outcomes. I didn't actually think about there being bad cabins until I went on a Costa Mediterranean trip and barely slept on the trip at all. Due to the nightclub above. That's taught me that despite what anyone says, a cabin location will make or break a cruise. Ever since then, I never go on a cruise without choosing my cabin. Over time, I've found a formula that works best to keep me away from potentially noisy venues. It's booking a cabin surrounded on five sides by other cabins above, below, either side with no interconnecting door to the next cabin, and always now opposite. Having a cabin opposite cuts the risk of noise and disturbances from crew access areas. Just two cruises ago on a Cunard Queen Elizabeth Western Mediterranean, I forgot this, and despite having splashed out on a Princess Grill Suite, opposite my cabin door was the entrance to the crew area. Cabin stewards for the deck would come rattling in and out with their trolleys, room service was banging the door day and night, there was clattering of suitcases in and out on embarkation and disembarkation day. It was crazy. Another thing I learned is how important and great it is having a cabin midships. We were allocated one on that first transatlantic I spoke about and found it was brilliant to help avoid motion and seasickness. But I soon found being midships and then whatever the middle deck is between the promenade deck, where you've got things like the restaurants, the theatres, the bar, and so on, and the leader deck with the pools and buffet at the top. It means that I'm in the center of the ship and equidistant to most, pretty much everything on board the ship. On that first cruise, and for many cruises afterwards, I constrained myself by getting lured into the security of cruise line excursions because they are convenient, vetted and the ship would wait for me if they ran late. Once I got the confidence to not get stressed about not getting back before all aboard time, it transformed my cruising experience so much. Some of my best memories cruising are the unexpected ones, not the carefully scheduled kind of jog around local highlights on cruise line excursions. For example, things like Mark and I being driven around by a taxi driver in Kuala Lumpur trying to scam us into buying fake Petronas Twin Tower tickets, and then us getting lost on the chaotic metro system, but finding and stumbling across an amazing food market for lunch where a server told us about a nearby really good alternative tower to visit to view Kuala Lumpur. Or when we were navigating the Tokyo Metro using a really badly translated local app, but we stumbled across a pachinko pinball arcade area and I hit the jackpot playing it without any idea of what I was doing. So I've learned that strolling and exploring reveal the best port experiences ever. You'll know if you've watched other episodes, I often use the hop-on hop-off bus to assist this exploration because they will still take me to the highlights or essential places. I get just enough background from the commentary and I then kind of jump off and do that Of unrestricted exploring. Now, maybe it's because I've done so many cruises and after being stuck at home for so long during the kind of pandemic shutdowns, but I've also learned that places and ports are really what makes cruising amazing and different. Of course, the ship is still key and a destination too, but the places and ports I've learned are much more important. Discovery exploring and seeing as many new ones is what I've learned is best. Fewer sea days and more ports is what I've changed through my cruising journey. That's why when I choose itineraries, I've learned to avoid going back to a place and make sure I get the most from it the very first time, assuming it's the only time I'll ever go there. It first struck me on my second Mediterranean cruise. It was a different cruise line and ship, and we were really excited. But actually, we went back to Liverno and so we visited Florence and Pisa again. Back to Monte Carlo, Barcelona, Saint Tropez, and Civitavecchia for Rome. As great as they all are, there are so many other places I could and should have been seeing in the Mediterranean, was what I learned. So now I try to find itineraries with as many different ports. That's when switching it up with things like big and small ship lines helps enormously. Even when I'm going to the Caribbean, which I love going to, I always try to get as many new islands and as many new places as possible. I found the cruising is so much better when every port will be a new adventure. I do not want to become a slightly jaded cruiser saying I'm not getting off today because I've been here three times. Every day every port should bring something new. I do have a caution about something I learned as I did more and more cruises. That is, the more places I went to, the list of places I wanted to go to got longer, not shorter. Even though I have done 100 cruises, my list of where I want to go to has never reduced. Meeting other passengers and talking to crew, importantly, always reveals new must see places. For example, I had always, right at the early days of cruising, wanted to go to the Caribbean. But once I went on my very first trip, I quickly realized it wasn't enough. Because I spoke to people who highlighted trips and islands on Western Caribbean, Eastern Caribbean, Southern Caribbean, Caribbean with partial Panama Canal cruises, just new places to go to. So instead of crossing the Caribbean off my list, I came back with many more islands and many more places. When I did my first expedition cruise, I went to the Arctic, which is where I'd always wanted to go, it was on my list. But the expedition team told me exciting stories about Antarctica, the Galapagos, and Greenland. They all went on the list. And then when I went on a river cruise on the Danube to take off river cruising, the list grew with rivers from all around the world that fellow guests insisted that I just needed to see. Before I get to one of the biggest learnings about how cruising caters uniquely for people like me, I must mention that I learnt about halfway through this cruising journey that I could turn my cruising passion into a full-time venture with my Tips for Travers channel. And it's one that now funds my cruising from the advertising that YouTube runs. And I'm not the only one. There are quite a few other people who have gone full-time with their cruising channels on YouTube. Perhaps you should think about doing that too. One big thing I have learned is that it's okay, in fact, it's great to cruise as a solo traveller. All my early cruises were with Mark or friends. That all changed when I really started to focus on building the channel and started to cruise primarily by myself. Now, about nine out of 10 of my cruises, I go solo. And you know, while that massive downside is still, I often pay the same price as if Mark was coming with me, the lines have over the years been changing from just being a place for couples. Things like solo cabins, more solo deals are slowly coming. There's been a change of experience once on board that is more welcoming. Cruise lines are learning to cater beyond just couples that it was when I started and now much better address on board the needs of different travellers, whether it be solos, families, you know, kids clubs, water parks, baby changing toilets and menus, those with accessibility needs, multi-generational, even LGBT travellers, the cruise lines are adapting. If you found this interesting and want to get more cruise tips, go to my Tips for Travellers YouTube channel for weekly videos, weekly live stream cruise Q&As and quick 60-second cruise tips. There's a link in the show notes. But also, why not consider becoming a patron on Patreon to get additional patron-exclusive videos, ebooks, and one-to-one cruising advice. Visit patreon.com slash tipsfortravelers, where travelers are spelled the UK way with two L's. Links also in the show notes. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Do you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. Terms apply.